back to the VoiceOver Gurus podcast. I'm your hostess, Linda Bruno, and unfortunately, I'm on my own today, which is very unusual and something that I usually don't do with this podcast because I do enjoy sharing stories and time with the friends that I have in the industry. But being that it is the holiday season, so many people are really busy. And in addition to that, my uh, partner in crime, J.J. Wilson, unfortunately, happens to be in the hospital right now. So, But thankfully, he is recovering, and he will be back behind the mic before you know it, and hopefully coaching as well. So we're wishing him well uh, during this time. So I figured, you know, I had some time here and I didn't want to completely go dark with the podcast this month. I know I only put out like two a month, but um, I figured I would discuss some of the most common questions that students ask me when they first start to train. Um, because I thought that might be relevant during this time since it's really the only thing that I can share um, without the needing the input from a, a co-host, so to speak. So first of all, probably one of the most common questions I get is, how long will it take for me to be good enough before I can get jobs? Okay, this is like the age old question, right? How long, how many hours will I need to train for this? How many months will it take? Can I just do it overnight? Well, if you're already working in the voiceover industry, you know that there is no such thing as an overnight success. So it is a lot of work and training. So Every, and everyone's different. Some people learn a lot faster than others, and other people have more of a challenge. So what do you say with something like that? There is no set timeline on when you could possibly be ready to get jobs. Because let's face it, you may not be ready to get jobs, but you do an audition, and by chance, somebody listens to you and says, that's the voice I want. Then guess who gets the job? You. And some people wind up just stepping in it with that. They may not book again, <laughs> but you know what? They have that first rush uh, because their voice at that time happened to be what worked. So you never know. But as far as a long-term career goes and maybe being able to only do voiceovers, you really can't put a timeline on that. It really is going to depend on your commitment and what you put into it, which I guess really makes sense, right? So excuse me. But I do get that question a lot, which I kind of find amusing. Um, how long is the training? Okay. We are kind of a different version of coaches because we don't go the path of in six weeks, you're going to get a demo and going to be able to do voiceovers and make six figures uh, because we live in the world of reality. Uh, you know, VO gurus keep it real. And the reality is there is no short time period for you to become successful in anything you're going to do, let's face it. So that's why we don't have a set time on training. I know a lot of schools will do like a six-week thing, four-week course, eight-week course. Um, you know, and that's that's great, especially for organizational purposes. And that's why we do offer a 12-week comprehensive for those that do need that organization and want to learn a specific thing at every lesson. I've got nothing against that. Um, but by the same token, at the end of the 12 lessons, does that mean that you're ready to go and work as a full-time voiceover actor? Uh, no, absolutely not. I mean, there's a very big chance that uh, you will not be ready at that point. 
But what you will be ready to do is to continue your training and cultivating your voice. And then, hey, at that point, hopefully you would have your own home studio set up. You would already be familiar with the basic elements of the industry, like casting and auditioning, because you would have learned that in your training. And so you would have been learning all along. Now, some people take a longer approach to it. And they don't just do 12 weeks. They do 12 months, one less than a month. Or some people take two years. I mean, you never know. But that's the, the beauty of the flexibility for what we offer because we customize it to whatever it is you want to learn in the pace that you want to learn with the finances that you have as well because we don't want to take advantage of people. So another question I get, how long till I can make a demo? This falls in the same line of the first two questions that I just answered. Really, how long does it take until <laughs> you're ready to make a demo? Some people start off and decide they're going to go ahead and just make a demo and they send it out there and then they scratch their heads because they're not uh, sure why they're not booking jobs or getting responses whenever they submit the demo for a, a casting. And hey, your talent, maybe the demo is awesome. Let's look at one scenario. So you have this amazing demo producer and coach that wind up coaching you and they just get the perfect read out of you <laughs> after God knows how many tries behind the mic. OK, so you wind up with this gorgeously produced demo. Now, come job time, are you going to be able to deliver the goods in the studio or are you going to need to have that same scenario of the coach coaching you into that read? or somebody polishing up your voice uh, with some fancy whistles and bells. Is that what you want? Or do you want a demo that you can be proud of because you worked your ass off to cultivate your talent to get to that level where, hey, what I'm playing for you right now in my demo is exactly what you're going to get if you hire me for a session. So that's why putting a timeline on how long it'll be till you can make a demo well, we should rephrase that. How long till you can make a demo that you can be proud of and potentially attract agents or or uh, clients wanting to hire you for their project? Well, there you go. That's going to be the timeline that only you can set for yourself based on how much practice you want to put into it. How many times, how many hours do you want to get behind the microphone in your spare time and just go for it? You know, this is a creative process and it's something that you got to love what you're doing and you got to love it every day or you get yourself in an environment where you can be surrounded by production, maybe a production facility or a radio station, um, and you start to learn the ropes that way and see how the industry works um, firsthand, which I'm always a big, big fan of that. I believe in hands-on experience for sure. In fact, the other day I had a student who cannot do any voicing right now due to a medical situation while she's in recovery. And she asked if she could just come in for the day or like half day and sit in on a couple of sessions that I had. So I was more than happy to have her come and sit in the booth. And she got a chance to witness an actual session produced with me and Dave, producer Dave here at the studio. And then I had to do Disney and she had a chance to watch me do that practice as well. So she got to see a live session in addition to a monitored session where I wind up just doing the session on my own. She also got a chance to see like the day-to-day -day workings of what I do in my studio. So I know for her, that is probably a better learning experience than reading any book or, you know, taking a class, honestly, because you're watching people in the real world of what it is you're hoping to do 
do it. So if there's somebody that you admire, somebody in your market, someone that you could possibly just be a fly on the wall for a day with them, that would be a wonderful learning experience. Um, and if they're willing to, you know, give you that time, then bless them. So be it. All right. Another question I get here. Will you guarantee me work after I finish my training with you? No, I will not guarantee you work because I am not you. And in this business, no one is going to guarantee you work. So anyone that is saying, come train with us and we will guarantee you jobs, it's just inaccurate because you want to get cast and there are so many people out there casting. How are they going to control the decision processes of all the people out there trying to cast people for jobs? So you can't be guaranteed money. You can't be guaranteed jobs. The only guarantee you have is going to be in the confidence of your own talent. And maybe they could open some doors for you. You know, maybe like if you worked with me here, I do keep a lot of my students' demos um, after they make them. And sometimes I get clients that are like, hey, do you have a voice for such and such? Or it's a project that I personally cannot do or may not be good at. So guess what? I go to my students and I find someone there and recommend them for the job. Or here at the studio, we cast people. So that's the only way, but I'm still not guaranteeing you a job, if that makes sense. I might guarantee you an opportunity if it arises, but the job itself, it winds up coming down to such a subjective perspective by the person hiring that the only person that decides that is the person doing the hiring, pretty much. Hopefully that answers it. Now, Will an agent get me jobs? Again, this is in the same vein. No, an agent doesn't get you jobs. An agent gets you auditions. You are responsible for getting the job. Same concept. Uh, can I just hire a studio to record me? Look, if you've got deep pockets and you don't mind shelling out 75 an hour, 150 an hour, 250 an hour for your local studio to host you whenever you have a session, or even an audition, then hey, go for it, you know, then by all means. But if you want to go broke really quickly, that's a good path as well. So no, you're going to need to set up your own studio and at least get the basic workings down initially of how to submit an audition, you know. So maybe initially you do have to hire an outside studio to run your sessions if you get a booking. Or maybe you don't have phone patch or whatever the requirements are that the booking needs ISDN line or, you know, IP DTL. But you could then hire a studio to work out of for that session. But at least for the auditioning, you're going to have to learn the basics of audio editing. And, you know, all of these audio editing programs, be it, you know, Audacity, uh, Pro Tools, whichever one, they all work with the same basic concepts. They all have their different features, advantages, whistles and bells, but cut and paste, record, a lot of the things that go into voiceover recording is pretty consistent with a lot of these programs. It really just comes down to like personal preference. Um, we're not mixing. You know, if you do want to go into mixing, that's a whole different animal. And yeah, you're going to want to be a little more selective about the audio editing software that you use. But basically for voiceovers, you know, for me, I use a single track. That's it. I record on a single track and I send it out. Um, and I keep it pretty straightforward. My philosophy as well is if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> so I know it's worked for me for so many years and it's 
pretty much the most efficient way to handle auditioning and editing of sessions, you know, single track editing. But you don't have to get all crazy and complicated with it. Um, so you can learn the basics and actually, you know, get yourself proficient enough to be able to edit your own sessions. Because unless you got, like I said, deep pockets, you're going to have to go that route anyway. All right. I got this question the other day. Can I do this as a hobby? Well, I guess you can. You know, you could do it as a hobby, but I don't know how much success you would have unless you were going to go in unusual routes, trying to find the jobs, maybe on a, you know, local level, face-to-face, old school. Maybe you have another job where you, you know, wind up coming into contact with a lot of people, maybe you're in sales or some side of some bleh, some sort of service industry, and then maybe you can get some voiceover jobs that way, and it could be a hobby for you. Um, but that's really the only way I could think of it becoming a hobby for somebody. Or they ask me, "Can I do it only at night?" And I feel that you'd you'd be really limited if you did, because so much of this industry does work on a normal business hour type of circumstance. Now, of course, there are overseas clients, international clients, people are on all different time zones, there are always opportunities for you. But if you exclude yourself and say, I'm only going to do this at night, then you might be limiting yourself, um, especially in this era of quick, quick turnaround. Everybody wants everything immediately. Uh, How many demos do I need? Well, I try to tell my students, please don't get overwhelmed. I know, like, you look at other talent, you go to their website, and they've got, like, 10 demos. You know, I've got, like, 10 demos, 15 de- I have so many friggin' demos from so many years of doing this. And I don't want students to get intimidated by that because it really means nothing at this point. When you're starting out, it means nothing. You need a good demo. Just focus on one good demo, highlighting what you are good at right now. Now, whatever types of reads you are good at right now, that's what that demo should showcase. And then in your travels, as you hopefully start to book jobs, meet clients, try out for other types of work, hey, you might discover that you're really good in another genre as well. And so then maybe you start cultivating that craft and creating a demo. You know, I I kind of liken it to just this flowing concept of your talent, You may today, okay, I'll give you an example. So when I started out, I think I've told this story before, I didn't know anything about voiceovers. I just saw what I saw on TV. And I also know that I emulated public supermarkets because I lived in Florida, big supermarket chain. I emulated the Presto ATM voice. And she'd say, welcome to Presto. So I would go for get groceries and I would hear her and go, I want to be the Presto voice. I don't think they have a voice anymore, but I emulated that. That's what I wanted. I also wanted to be the voice of Tampax for some oddball reason. I guess in my mind, I thought it's national. It must be huge, which I'm sure it is. Or I also want to be the voice of the Lifetime Network. So those were my three goals. Okay, so I started off my career found that with my training that my natural read was kind of a warm, friendly read. So it was conducive for, you know, a lifetime television. I wound up booking TLC, the Learning Channel, which was very similar at the time. And it was that same read that became 
like my trademark at that time. I found that that was the easiest read for me to convey was this warm, you know, friendly read. It's very hard for me to pull out um, happiness in my read because it's just my natural read. Sometimes I just sound annoyed when I try to pull it out too much. (laughs) But you want to focus on whatever it is that maybe your ear attached to and said, all right, I want to be I want to do this. I want to do movie trailer voices. And then maybe that's because you have a voice that could, you know, sound great with that. And maybe that's what you practiced in the shower or when you're driving your car. Then whatever it is, it feels comfortable for you and natural for you. Then, hey, maybe that should be the first thing that you start working on for your demo. Um, That type of read anyway, uh, just to show, you know, a strength that you have. So that would definitely be my advice for you. If you're just starting out, just focus on that one demo that's going to showcase the talents that you naturally have. And we all have something. We all have something that's going to, you know, distinguish us between us and another talent. And that's what you need to figure out. The only way to figure that out, though, really is with training. Focus on those things that maybe in your mind you thought you wanted to always do and see if maybe you're good at it because, you know, obviously you had an attraction to it uh, when before you even started this business. Then after that, and start when you start working and start to cultivate your talents, then you can start worrying about making other demos. But don't 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 put the cart before the horse, as they say. All right. In a similar vein, I do get a lot of people that come in and say, I hear cartoon voices and I want to be a cartoon voice. And that is a big attraction for a lot of people wanting to get into voiceover or they'll go see Shrek or whatever and they'll hear the voices um, not realizing that so much of that work now is taken over by celebrities. Damn those celebrities um, doing the animations. But people are like, I want to be a cartoon in a series. You know, those things are so hard to come by. But that's a whole different way of training and a whole different area to pursue. So if that truly is your soul love and it's what you want to do and you eat and breathe animation and you've you've loved it ever since you were a kid, whatever, then you need to seek out a coach that is specific for animation. Uh, that way you can try to cultivate that talent because going to a regular voiceover coach, unless they have a, a good background in that, I would not advise going to a regular voiceover coach. Cartoon voices, character voices like that are definitely a specialty. Um, And the field is incredibly competitive, incredibly competitive. So you want to make sure that you do get enough training. That way you can compete. I know reading an article, and I think we tweeted about it, that in Japan for anime, they have like these schools and people go. It's like going to college just to become an anime voice actor. And that's they they study movement and improv and and you name it. It's it is an involved process. But I do get a lot of people that are like, I want to be a cartoon voice. All right. So, you know, I don't want to burst the bubble, but I'm definitely not the person to train you for that. I can do character stuff more on the comedic level, um, more like making a caricature out of a person. You know, I do the ditzy blonde or, you know, the talk like that or whatever, you know, the, the attitude that comes with that. But I'm not an impersonator. I'm not a professional impersonator. And the character voices that I do do are just that I do do. She said do do. The character voices that I do are usually for a purpose of a bit that has been given to me by the comedy network. And so, of course, we have to make it funny. And it's not a direct impersonation of, say, 
my latest has been Melania Trump. It's not a direct impersonation. You know, it's my take on Melania Trump just to be funny. I have nothing against Melania Trump. Don't get me wrong. Okay, she's a beautiful woman. But I have to make it funny. So I go really over the top with it. And I talk like this. Um, But that's just something that just came out of my brain. And not something that I would profess to be able to teach someone to do. um, Unless you want to just be taught how to be a complete wacko in your spare time and do funny voices all the time. So definitely seek out a specific character uh, voice coach if that is your dream. Can you introduce me to your agent? You know, if you and I have had a long relationship, we're talking years, and I know you're talented and I know you've been out there in the trenches and you've busted your ass and and you're, you know, a hard worker and you're really committed to this career, then by all means, feel free to ask me to do that. And maybe I will. Um, but word of advice, anyone else that's working in this industry, anyone that has an agent has r- worked really hard to get that agent. So if you really don't know the person very well, or maybe you've only known them for, you're just starting out in the business and you've only known them for a few months or whatever, don't ask them that. You know, it's almost like an insult in a weird way. Hard to explain, but it's almost like you're not understanding the fact that it took so long to get that agent to begin with that someone's just not going to hand it to you. Of course, unless, like I said, you have an existing relationship, you're good friends, um, and you've been in the business for a while, and the person knows you very, very well. But I do get new people that ask me that, which is kind of hilarious. All right. The big one. When should I quit my job and focus solely on VO? That really comes down to your level of risk aversion. Some people are big risk takers. They have no problem with it. They want to just jump off that cliff. Other people take calculated risks. I'm a calculated risk type of person. Um, I need to have some stability and security in my life because I have bills to pay. I have a mortgage. You know, I have things that I can't just simply not worry about. You know, there's families. There's But if you're young or you don't have any commitments or, you know, and you feel comfortable with it, then I say go for it. If you're comfortable with it and you also have a strong support system at home, people that are willing to be there for you during the slow times or maybe help you financially, or maybe you have a partner who's working full time and you can rely on them. That's a a great situation too. But I always kept my toe in another job for a long time. And it actually took me having to get fired from that job. It's in radio, so you can't judge me. Um, Getting fired from the radio job because they flipped formats for me to finally just say, all right, I'm going to take the risk and I'm only going to do voiceovers. But basically for all those years, for like the last nine years of my radio career, I was working weekends. So I would Monday through Friday tackle the voiceover stuff. And then Saturday, Sunday, I would be behind the mic um, on the weekends uh, just, just so I had that regular money coming in and health insurance and pension, you know, the benefits, all the things that cost so much money right now. So my advice to you would be, You know, obviously, it's all a very individual approach. But if you're not into taking risk, 
then you need to make sure that you have that safety. You have that income coming in somehow because the last thing you need is to be putting that added pressure on yourself while you're auditioning, thinking a moment of panic. Oh, my God, I have to book this job because I can't feed my family. You know, you don't want to go from that perspective when you get behind the mic to audition for something. You want to be free of worry. You want to just go in, perform, bring your best energy possible, and not that energy of desperation that will, it's like, you know, dating someone. You come to them all desperate, they sense it, and guess what? They don't want to be with you anymore. So it's the same way with auditioning. You know, you have a sense of desperation, you're probably not going to get the job. It's just... People can't put a finger on it either, why it is, but it just is. It's an energy thing. So that's why I believe that you got to have some sort of foundation, something to fall back on during the times when it's quiet. We're about to come up on a quiet time for a lot of us being the holiday season. You know, there's a two-week period there, Christmas, New Year's, when basically everybody shuts down. So what do you do during that time if you don't have any regular income coming in or you have no savings? Some people are very good about planning for that, and they just put away money, and they just say, you know what, this is for helping me ride it out. And other people are still building their business and trying to, you know, get that foundation going so they can be in that position. But until you get into that position, you have to make sure you keep your foot into something, something. And you may not love it. You may not love what it is you do on the side, but it's all for a purpose, right? Because eventually, you keep doing it, you're going to be able to cut the strings of that job and pursue what you love full throttle. Um, and then only focus on that, you know, during the week or whenever it is you, you decide to, to focus on it. But that would be the goal. Okay. Let's see what else. I think that's about it. Those are the major questions that I usually get. Um. And I don't want to come off pessimistic because I'm not at all. It's just realistic. And, and I think if you know the realities going in, it'll be a lot less shocking when things do come up for you. Um, another thing, to be honest, you know, in all the years of doing this, you would think I would be used to slow periods. <laughs> now, I try to make them as productive as possible, but sometimes... Oh, boy, I, I start to go stir crazy. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, my God, I'm never going to work again. You know, which is just lunacy. It's lunacy. You, you mean to tell me that you're never, ever going to book another job ever? It's just it's lies, <laughs> lies and fear that that kick in during times when when things get slow. Um, but and I always kick myself, too, because I'm like, gosh, why can't I just accept the fact that there are going to be times when it's slow and there's times when it's busy. And I'll, I'll be complaining to somebody and go, oh, my God, I've been so slow this week. And then the next week I'll be packed and I'll completely forget about the prior week because that's just how we are, human nature, right? So we are coming up on one of those slow periods. I did write a blog post about it, which I'm probably going to release in the next week of things that you could do pro to be proactive and productive during the downtime if you're not going on vacation. So you're not going away. You know, or you don't have family or maybe you want to get away from family <laughs> and you're looking to do something. So there's a lot of great ways to become productive uh, during a slow time of year. But one of the ways to not be productive is to freak out. So don't freak out. OK. So hopefully in the coming weeks, I'm going to have a podcast with my production guy, Dave, because I want to discuss the whole process of a production company. 
and what exactly goes on here. So that way you can know as a voice talent where your role lies. Um, It's always good to understand the industry a bit so you can understand what part of the puzzle you play, what piece you play of the puzzle. So hopefully that'll come up by the end of the month. I'm hoping I'm just trying to nail Dave down with the time. Everybody's just so busy. So have a happy holiday and I will chat with you soon. Thank you again for listening. It's the voiceover gurus podcast. I'm Linda Bruno. And if you do have a question, something you need answered, please, by all means, email me at info at voiceover.guru.